0: So the most chaotic time of my day is the 30 minutes right before my kids go to bed. I mean, it's pandemonium in the Johnson household. I mean, usually we're arguing about something. We're arguing about brushing teeth or baths or no, you may not have a fourth snack before bed. Or yes, you have to wear pajamas or stop hitting each other. Or still, you may not have the fourth snack before bed. That's a big one in our house. And we try kind of in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the pandemonium, in the midst of all this other stuff to kind of calm everybody down, to sit down and to read maybe a story together, stories like David and Goliath, stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. We talked about that last week. And the thing we're going to talk about today, the story of Daniel and the lion's den is definitely a story that I've read with my kids. And sometimes when I'm reading the Bible with my kiddos, I realize it's kind of intense a little bit. Like there's a moment that they don't know what's going to happen. And it's kind of fairy tale like especially Daniel in the lion's den. It's one of the most famous stories in the Bible. And it does come across a little bit like a kiddie story. You know, good versus bad, right versus wrong. And this is the picture out of one of my picture Bibles from our house. Check this out. This is, this is a picture from one. He looks okay little cute little kitty there like he looks pretty comfortable I mean I don't know how old do you say he is there I mean he's got a little bit of scruff maybe he's trying a little hard like a 20 years old or something I don't know maybe something kind of like that he looks like a kid the lions look really cute it's kind of like a fairy tale it feels cartoony a little bit but this story is anything but a fairy tale How old do you think that Daniel is during the story in the Bible? Judging by this picture, strapping young lad, maybe he came into it, he's a late bloomer, maybe he's 30. Nope, he's 80 years old in the story in the Bible. And the lions in this story aren't like Lion King lions, okay? There's no like, that's not happening at all in this story. These lions are trained to be aggressive. They're trained to be lethal. It's kind of the real circle of life, not like the little kitties we might talk about at home. And the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this king named Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is a bad dude, but we're actually going to fast forward just a little bit, and we're going to talk about a different king that Daniel served under. His king is, this king is named King Darius. Now, Darius is a really smart dude. He understood leadership and administration, how to like lead a kingdom. One of the first things he did is he put 120 administrators over the kingdom. So they had each region kind of cut up for these 120 people. And these administrators were in charge of making sure that they were fed, making sure that they were safe, making sure they paid their taxes, making sure that they didn't rebel against the king. So there are these 120 administrators. And then the king put three senior administrators over those 120 to lead them. And Daniel was one of those senior administrators. So check this out. This is Daniel 6.3. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. And Daniel's really well-liked by King Darius. He does a really good job. The king noticed, so he becomes the leader of the leaders of the admin. So he's gonna be number two in the entire kingdom. Things are looking pretty good, right? We would all kind of want that. That's a promotion, Well, this is what happens next. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Wouldn't it be awesome to be described that way? So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Now, I know this story happened a really, really long time ago, but... This type of thing happens today all of the time. Say you get a promotion in your office and then all of a sudden people you got along with yesterday aren't getting along with you today for some reason, maybe a cold shoulder at the water cooler or something like that. Or maybe you're the one who's gotten passed over for a promotion and you're like, really? That person? Are you kidding me? Like I work so much harder. I do so much more for this company. And this kind of situation, that jealousy sets the stage for one of the most amazing stories of faith and of courage in the Bible. Now we're in this series right now called Stand and we've been talking about what does it look like as followers of Jesus to stand courageously for the king, for the things of God. So Daniel does a great job and he gets a promotion and his coworkers are jealous. So what do they choose to attack? Not his job, not his character. They choose to attack his faith. So as we go through this story, I want to turn to three things that we can learn when we're standing strong in our faith. May we have a faith that is strong enough that people want to attack us for it. Here are the three things that we can learn. Here's number one. Standing strong for God will bring struggle not can, I kind of wish it was can, will. When God is doing something in your life, when he gives you more, or when he's asking you to do something for him, you can expect struggle. It's coming. Opposition is a part of faith. When God raises us up to do something for him, circumstances, people will show up to tear us down. Have you ever kind of noticed when somebody is making a faith decision, maybe dedicating their life in some capacity and other people start making fun of them and they start saying like, religion is dumb. You're dumb. Like this isn't the wisest thing to do. Who are you? You don't even know who you are anymore. Or maybe circumstances around people get really, really difficult. Opposition comes. Or maybe it's even that God prompts you to do something that's way out of the ordinary, that other people might look on and go like, I don't really completely get that. Today is James Young's last day on staff here at the Ridge as the music pastor. He and his wife, Melanie, are moving their family south. And check this out. They're trusting God to provide things like a job, doesn't have one yet, like a home, like finances, like a church home, like a school for the kids, all of those things. And at first glance, maybe you're saying something like, oh, I said when he talked to me first, I'm like, are you crazy? Have you really thought this through? But standing strong for God, being courageous, often doesn't make sense outside of things of faith. See, standing strong for God will bring all sorts of different kinds of struggle. Here's another example. Have you ever heard of crab syndrome. I've heard about this recently. So apparently you you put crabs inside of a bucket. I don't know why, but you're putting crabs inside of a bucket. And there are a lot of crabs in there, They're the crabs that you eat, you know, these types of crabs. And then they're in the bucket and one brave little crab starts to go, I can get out of this bucket and starts to climb out of the bucket. What will happen? Well, the other crabs in the bucket reached up and they have to do it like this because they're crabs, right? They reach up and then they pull them back down. What? They're like, no, if you're trapped, we're trapped. If we're trapped, you're trapped. We're in this together. We're pulling you down. And that's kind of real life. That's kind of what happens in our life sometimes when things are going well and we go, hey, we're standing for God. We're doing what we think we should do. And then things get really hard and we need to stop and we need to address something right here. This is really important because sometimes we falsely believe myself included. This is what we think. We think, hey, if I'm serving God, then I shouldn't have to struggle. That I shouldn't have opposition. He doesn't care for me if that's the case. If I'm trying to do what God wants me to do, I shouldn't have anything standing against me. And I get this, I do this, maybe you do too. And we look around and we look at kind of what God is asking us to do and he's raising us up and we think in our head, this should be easy, it could be completely safe, it should be completely comfortable. And that's just not the case. See, this isn't a fairy tale. Daniel of the Lion's Den isn't a fairy tale. Daniel's not safe. Daniel's not comfortable. It is not easy for Daniel at all. If you're never outside of your comfort zone, you're likely not standing strong for God. If you're not ready and willing and able to face opposition as you follow Jesus, maybe you're not ready to be used by God. And I know that that's really hard. I'm saying it to myself as much as I'm saying it to you. Opposition follows obedience. It's a part of it. See, this is actually a spiritual thing. See, whenever we're standing strong for God, we're trying to do our best to move the kingdom forward, to do something because God asks us to, we can expect spiritual resistance. And yeah, I'm talking about Satan. I'm talking about the devil. And I know that that sounds kind of weird, But listen, if we think that the good things in the spiritual world are true, that Jesus is true, and that heaven is true, it probably would do us well to think about the other side of that, the dark side of that. And sometimes the devil, I think, is working in our circumstances, works through other people, even well-meaning people, to oppose the things of God. Standing strong for God will, not can, not might, will bring struggle. So Daniel's there. He's standing strong. And people immediately oppose him. Check this out. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. And then they decided to butter him up. They're like, hey, King Darius, you're so great. You're so great. You're, I don't know, off the top of my head, maybe you're godlike. Speaking of godlike, thanks for bringing that up, King Darius. You know what you should do? Give orders for the next 30 days. Any person who prays to anything or anyone other than you, your majesty, because you're so great. Anybody who prays to anything other than you will be thrown into the den of lions. And maybe you should issue it and sign it as a law so it can't be changed no matter what you're going to do. And Darius is like, I mean, I am pretty great. Like, that's awesome. Okay, pray to me. I'm God among men. If anybody prays to anything other than me for the next 30 days, we're going to throw them into the lion's den and they're, what, catnip? No, not kitty litter. That's not the right thing. I don't know. I don't have cats. So that's what Darius did. And Daniel hears about it. And Daniel has a big problem. And it's a bigger problem than just people being jealous. See, Daniel knew King Darius wasn't God. He just knows that that's not true. And so he's going, I pray to the real God, I follow the real God, and people know that I do that, and this law gets passed, and Daniel has a choice to make. And on the one hand, he could have just not prayed for 30 days. Maybe that's what some of us would have decided to do. Like, joke's on them, I'm just not going to do it. Or on the other hand, Daniel could have faked it, like he could have been praying silently, you know, bow his head and close his eyes. And they're like, gotcha. And you're like, oh, I was just resting my eyes. Like we don't really know exactly how they were going to hope to catch him. But we did know that he did this the same way all the time, every day. And that's what he decided to do. I'm going to pray publicly, not because I'm taking a stand or anything like that, even though he is standing strong. That's just what he had already decided to do. What would you do? If you're in a situation, you found out that there was a law passed today that anybody who prayed to God would be killed. Would you be concerned? Would it actually change anything in your life? See, Daniel had already made the decision. That's one of the themes of the book of Daniel. He had already decided no matter what, he's gonna do what's right in the eyes of God. And he knew praying just like I always had been doing is the right thing. So he decided I'm gonna stand strong, not so that I'm opposing and doing all this other stuff because that's the right thing to do. And he finds out about the law that King Darius Passed, and he responded right away. Here's how he responded. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. So he immediately went home. And what did he do? He immediately went home and he broke the law. And you might be sitting out there and you're going, this is permission for me to break the law whenever I want? Absolutely not. It's not. This isn't permission to just break whatever law you want to say, ah, government doesn't matter. I'm not going to follow any guidelines. He's actually incredibly respectful the entire time. This is really just a call to put Jesus first no matter what. And standing strong for the things of God requires prayer. So recap. Daniel says, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stand strong. And standing strong for God will lead to struggle. And here's the second thing. Standing strong for God requires kneeling in prayer. We can't do it on our own. Think about the things that Daniel could have done instead of pray. Maybe it's the stuff that we do instead of pray. Some of us actually don't really need prayer lives because we aren't standing strong for God in the first place. And Daniel could have complained, he could have yelled, he could have shouted, he could have just wallowed in it, you know, gotten the you know fat sweatpants on, you know, grabbed cherry garcia ice cream and just, I can't even, like, I don't want to, like, this is so hard. He could have done any of that, but that's not what he did. He chose to pray. He didn't make a show of it. He didn't do it out of spite. He didn't yell. He didn't scream. He did what he always does by faith. He decided to kneel in prayer. And I want to point out to you something. This is really important, I think, in this story. Posture matters in our life. Posture matters. And when you kneel, it is incredibly important. See, kneeling before God is a posture of humility. It's a posture of vulnerability. It's not a way that you can protect yourself. If one of you decided to come up and to hit me in the face right now, there's not a whole lot that I can do about it. Please don't. But when you're kneeling in prayer, this is this amazing reminder that life does knock you down. And you do get down in the dust. And it is hard. And it is dirty. And it's not a fairy tale. Daniel and the lion's den isn't a fairy tale. Your life isn't either. My life isn't either. And that is so hard. And Moana's not singing in the background of this one. And so this reminder, when we kneel and when we pray, look, it's not in our power to stand. That's not the point of this story. Daniel isn't just amazing and he can just figure it all out and we can't compare ourselves to him. No, he kneels and he says, God, I desperately need your help. That's the first thing that he did. It's not in my power. It's in yours. See, Daniel was kneeling before God so God could help him stand. Not so he could stand on his own. See, Life brings opposition, and we're kneeling before God. It's this reminder that it doesn't matter what we can do on our own. It is all about the creator of the universe on our behalf, loving and standing for us. See, kneeling is standing. That's what it is. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't look like it. But standing strong for God looks like this. Not yelling, not screaming, not saying, I'm right, you're wrong. It looks like surrender. And when you stand strong for God, you can trust God with the rest. So Daniel, he knelt down. That's how he decided to stand strong for God. And when you stand strong for God, you can trust God with the rest. Because we don't know the end of the story. We're in the middle of the story, do we? We don't know what's going to happen. Daniel didn't know what was going to happen. This 80-year-old guy stood strong by kneeling before God. And then he said, okay, God, no ifs, ands, no buts, no what ifs, no, this isn't fairs. I just trust you with the rest. So what does God do with the rest? Well, this is the rest of the story. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So he kneels and he's begging God. He's asking for his help. And then what happened? They caught him. That's the next thing that happens in the story. They turn him in. And King Darius is actually devastated. He likes Daniel. He knew that he was tricked by these other administrators too. And King Darius tries to get out of it. But eventually he says, okay, the law is the law, Daniel, to the lion's den you go. So Daniel goes into the lion's den. What do you think happened in there? You ever thought about that? Like he gets down in there, what did he do? He's like, here, kitty, 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 kitty. Like, what did he do? Was he like, go away, go away. Like, what did he do? I don't know. I really don't know what he did. Like, I think about it. I like thinking about it. But I don't know what he did. Here's what I do know, though. God shut the mouths of the lions And the next day, King Darius runs out to the lions because he doesn't know what happened. Check this out. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And King Darius doesn't know what's going to happen. The other administrators don't know what's going to happen. Daniel's opposition doesn't know what's going to happen. Well, what happened? Well, Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me for I've been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. See, King Darius is thrilled. The other guys, not so much. So this is a spoiler. This is how I know this isn't a fairy tale. Do you know the end of this story? King Darius throws the other administrators into the lion's den. And I don't know, the angel was on a break or something. I don't know, but they got eaten up. And the king was overjoyed that Daniel was safe. And he ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Hey, Daniel still didn't get out on his own. Did you notice that? The king lifted him out from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. For he had trusted in his God. See, when you stand strong for God, you can trust God with the rest. And in this story, God chose to clothe the mouths of lions. And here's the, here's the truth in the statement. I don't think that Daniel would have changed anything, even if the end of the story was he got eaten up by the lions. I trust God with the rest. He says that before, not after. This week, I think that this is a challenge that we go through our lives, as we go out into kind of the everydayness of who we are and where we are in our homes and our communities, how are you going to stand strong for God? What does that look like in your life? Will you stand strong when people are trying to back you into an unhealthy lifestyle? You're like, I've turned from that. I'm not going to do it. Will you stand strong when you know it's more comfortable back here kind of looking at the things of Jesus rather than actually taking a stand for anything? You're like, I know in my heart I believe this but nobody else knows. Will you stand strong when things seem to be getting worse and worse and worse and you don't have anywhere to turn and you don't know what to do and you're just crying out to God, you're begging, you're kneeling, and you're tempted to give up and you don't know how to turn to him because I trust God with the rest is the only thing that you have. How are you going to stand strong for God this week? And I think one of the most vital ways that we can stand strong for God is just to surrender day after day to Jesus This is one of the biggest reasons I think I can trust God with the rest. See, Jesus died on the cross for where we fall short. That's not a fairy tale. It's real. And we don't have to fear what happens at the end of the story because we actually know the end of the story. How cool is that? Daniel didn't know the end of the story. But we can place our trust in Jesus, allowing us to face opposition to whatever may come, Because God is going to show up in our story no matter what, and the opposition has already lost, and Jesus has already won. See, remember, standing strong for God will bring struggle. And if you're not facing opposition in your life right now, maybe think about it. Take it as a personal challenge that it probably means you're not standing for a whole lot. But if you choose to stand for the things of God and when that opposition comes and when you choose to kneel and you're going to pray because he is the one who gives you strength, not yourself, and you've predetermined you're going to do what honors God no matter what, you can trust God with the rest. That's the whole point of the book of Daniel in the Bible. You can trust God with the rest every single time. And stories of people standing strong for God are inspiring to me. That's why we read it to our kids. See, they help us understand that God will show up. And when we look around in our lives today and we see people who are willing to step out in faith, courageously doing what is right, even when it's hard or even when it's unknown, that they're going to stand strong no matter what, that's inspiring too. So I would like for you to hear a story from someone I Count as a dear friend, one about standing strong for the things of God.
1: I certainly never expected to be here uh, in this stage of life. Um, I've been around the Ridge and Berean for 23 years and um, volunteered for a lot of years before I even started becoming part of the staff. And then now have been on staff for seven years full time and uh, have really enjoyed um, our time at the church and our family has a lot of really great connections that honestly never thought we would ever leave, um, but we are following God and His plan for us, um, even though we don't exactly know what that is right now. Um, but to think about where we were then and where we are now is really exciting, and um, A lot of volunteers, a lot of people have plugged in throughout those years, uh, to make, um, an impact on people's lives. What has really been important for me is the, the opportunity to grow spiritually along the way as well. Um, I remember very specifically, you know, sermons where Jerry had talked about, um, you know, Daniel and the lion's den or, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or even, you know, the Israelites walking across, you know, what should be a body of water. Um, and talking about stepping out in faith and living a life of faith. And it's been really challenging for, for me over the years and, and for our family when I think about that. You know, God used those moments to, to help me grow in my faith and He's also helping me lead our family in that. So when I think about trying to provide for my family, needing to continue on with some type of health insurance, um, where will my kids go to school, Will we still get to do anything that we enjoy, like fishing and camping and those kind of things? Um, I feel like I've got a pretty big checklist for God to work through. And uh, along the way, I've prayed very specifically. My wife and I both have for peace. He's done that. There's been moments of just even though it's crazy, even though we're scared, um, we just have peace in it. So as I think about um, Daniel and the lion's den, and I think about this king who... Put Daniel in the den, full of lions. Put a rock over the front of it. Um, the story says that the king was anxious and couldn't sleep, and had moments of, "What am I doing?" I can envision Daniel in faith, maybe still being scared, you know, still wondering, you know, what's going to happen next, but still having faith that God can protect him even in that moment. So for us, as we think about following God in it, you know, we're human. We have these thoughts of concern. While it's scary to not have answers, uh, the hope of what God is doing has been really encouraging for us. Uh, so as we continue to take our steps in faith, as we think about our growth in, in our life here at the Ridge, the relationships that we have, um, we're really encouraged and excited about what God is doing. Um, even though we don't have, you know, the, the picture is not fully painted for us, A specific situation. It was before I even kind of talked to Adam about leaving. Um, I asked God for a reminder of the things he's done in my past just so I could help remember some of these promises and truths. Um, But also just, you know, what's give me something very real and tangible um, that I can kind of cling to throughout this journey. Nobody knew that. I didn't share it with anybody, even my wife. Um, And somebody gave us a gift. And I I remember looking at them very specifically and saying, you don't know how much this means. Uh, And the gift was not a massive gift and it wasn't a small gift. It was just right on what God knew would encourage our family in the moment. You know, even, you know, I remember a few weeks later, my son was talking about faith and what it means to have faith. And I said, look at this. And I was able to share a very real, tangible thing about how God had provided for me in a moment of feeling very anxious, very nervous about next steps in my life as I walk in faith. I like to think that I'm normal. Uh, I would much rather have quit a job with one landed already. I would much rather know the community where we're going to move before I quit my job or sell my house. (laughs) But instead, God's got us on a journey of uh, resigning from the ridge, knowing that he's moving us closer to my wife's family, to a drier climate. He's got us selling our house without knowing exactly what community we're gonna live in, um, which is all very scary. We don't know how God is going to work all of this out, but what we know is that he's going to. I'm really excited about both communities thriving in what God can do through the people um, of the churches where, you know, wherever we might land and through the ridge. So as I think about what God can do, um, as we kind of take a stand for Him and try to stand strong for Him, even though it's hard, we're really excited about what's coming.